Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Next to the air that we breathe, water is the primary element of God's creation. Without fresh water, your body cannot be sustained. Now, water, of course, comes in all shapes and sizes depending on its use and its temperature. When water is frozen, like it is for at least six months in Wisconsin, it is a solid. It's ice. We put ice in our drinks, snow falls on, our, our, on the mountains. Of course, when it's above freezing, it's liquid, and we drink it. We shower with it, bathe with it. We wash our clothes and our dishes with it. And finally, when, when water is heated beyond its boiling point, it becomes a gas. Water is everywhere in our lives. But you know that water is also powerful and destructive. At creation, God separated the waters above from the waters below to make land before he made Adam and Eve. Then sometime later, God told Noah that he would flood the entire earth until the highest mountain was 20 feet below the surface of the water. God destroyed all of creation because of the wickedness of man, but he made a covenant of promise to save Noah and his family. Generations later, Moses and all the people of Israel crossed at the Red Sea as on dry ground as the waters were divided before them. There God dealt a deadly blow to Egypt's army. The walls of, of the Red Sea literally slammed shut, crushing and drowning the entire Egyptian army. Water circulates often in the scriptures in large and in small ways. Sometimes there's flooding, washing, watering, healing, refreshing, cleansing, reshaping. Recall that, that under Joshua, God led Israel into the promised land when he parted the Jordan River. And then in the days of the kings, Elisha healed Naaman, who was a, a Syrian army commander from leprosy, by asking him to dip and wash in the Jordan River seven times. Remember this, that even though Naaman, the, the Gentile leader, was scoffing at Elisha's word for healing, he eventually did dip himself into that same Jordan River seven times, and as he did, he came out cleansed of his leprosy and his, fresh, his flesh restored like that of a child. When Israel was thirsty, Moses sweetened the bitter waters of Marah and made water flow from the hard rock. See, God always refreshes his people, as the psalmist prays. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Isaiah even invited God's people to be refreshed. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. And in the New Testament, Jesus, your Savior, your Helper, launched his ministry at, uh, in the water at his baptism by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And just as 
Israel had crossed it long ago under the hand of their helper and their savior, Joshua, to enter the promised land. So Jesus enters the Jordan to baptize you and give you the promised land of the new creation, which is, which is far greater than the Old Testament promised land. The same river that Naaman was cleansed in becomes the place where Jesus begins his public ministry whereby he comes to wash you of all your sin. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus still washes all your sins away today in the waters of your baptism. And Jesus has come to give you the promised land of the new creation. Although Jesus had no sin, he immersed himself in sin to fulfill in human flesh all that that Israel and we never could. It is no accident that water is splashed everywhere in Jesus' ministry. In his first miracle, Jesus turns 60 gallons of water into fine wine as the wedding host runs out. Then Jesus lovingly encouraged Nicodemus to be born of water and the Spirit. But to our utter astonishment, Jesus also offers living water to a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. When Jesus sees the lame, when he sees the paralyzed man who had been waiting 38 years to get into the pool of Bethesda, Jesus, remembering how how God gave the Israelites water in the wilderness, says to the crowd at the, the Feast of Tabernacles, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus walks on water. Jesus used water to wash his disciples' feet. And finally, Jesus allows water and blood to pour forth from his side as he hangs on the cross. Is all of this water just a coincidence? Well, of course not. It's reasonable and rhythmic. Water is is woven throughout the Bible, pointing you to Jesus, even though not every uh, passage is directly a baptism. As St. Paul so wonderfully concludes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, our fathers were all under a cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. For they drank from the same spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Even St. Peter states that just as God saved Noah and his family by water, so your baptism now saves you. See, Jesus is your vine who grafted you into himself and his church by water. In him you live, you move, you have your being. Just as your mother's womb so beautifully protected you in water when God knitted you together, the Holy Spirit protects you in the womb of your new mother, the Holy Church. If you were to ask a potter how he makes a beautiful pottery vase, he would tell you that it is water that makes clay moldable before it is fired in the oven. And similarly, your potter, the Heavenly Father, works in you by the Holy Spirit each day to, to uh, 
um, to reshape your life into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Your old Adam is drowned so that a new you is reshaped. This is why Luther said, the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires. And that a new man should daily emerge and arise and live before God in righteousness and purity forever. See, just as, just as the Holy Spirit hovered over all the waters of creation to bring life, so He fills you with new life in Jesus now and every day. See, brothers and sisters in Christ, your Heavenly Father reshapes and rewashes you every day in baptismal water like a, a piece of clay made pliable with water. He is molding and conforming you into the image of His Son. You know that before the, the Scriptures were ever fully recorded for all God's people to see and to read, the early church, the, the fathers there, they used physical water to teach the Bible, baptism, and faith in Christ. And so this evening, you're invited to pass by the, the baptismal font on your way out. You dip your hand or your fingers in the water and place the sign of the cross on your forehead to remind you again and always that this water refreshes, washes, and forgives. For this is where you were once born, and this is where you are joyfully reborn every day. See, that's what Lent's all about. Drowning an old you so that a new joyful you arises and arises in Christ. During Lent, the church is dark. It's full of, full of purple. It's reminding us of Christ's passion and his death and his tomb. But I tell you the truth, we will not stay here. We will arise anew from our tomb this Easter. So this evening, I ask you, brothers and sisters in Christ, what, what needs to be drowned in you? Does whatever it is affect your marriage? your family, your relationships? Are you this evening more like moldable clay to be reshaped by water or like hard pottery needing to be crushed? Whatever it is, remember that Jesus Christ was crucified with it all. Your sin was nailed to his cross. His blood was shed for you. And he was buried with your sins as well. Jesus Christ, your vine, your rock, your shepherd, died so that you live in sin no longer. Go now. Washed anew this evening, forgiven of all your sins. Fix your eyes on Jesus and be refreshed by the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and your sin as well. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.